Are you ready to be stirred and receive an impartation of faith to move forward into all that God has purposed for your life? Welcome to the Stirring of the Waters podcast. I am your host, Elaine Haynes. I will be sharing what the Lord has given me through the anointing of the Holy Spirit on the Logos and Rhema words of God. Welcome to Stirring of the Waters. I'm your host, Elaine Haynes, and today is episode 21, Separating Soul and Spirit, Part 4. Today I'll be sharing on preventing prideful pitfalls as we pursue God's purpose for our lives. The last few weeks I have shared some pitfalls of relying on fleshly and soulish ways of thinking as the Word of God separates the soul from the spirit. Today I want to give some other examples of Scripture that we can relate to and that are very important to God. And I'll tell you why, because the first one I'm going to share with you is about Balaam. And the reason I know that it's really important to God is because it's mentioned three times in Scripture. 2 Peter 2.15, Jude 1.11, and Revelation 2.14. So this is the an account of a prophet operating in mixture, desiring financial gain and worldly fame. We're not all in the office of a prophet, but we are all called to prophesy, which is speaking the word of God. And this warning is not just to prophets, because, again, it's written three times in Scripture. In the New Testament, three times in the New Testament, the warning. So this is these are real dangers and warnings for us. So I'm going to read those three sections to you first. Then I'm going to give you the overview of the account. In 2 Peter 2 and 15, it says, which they're talking, um, Peter's telling us about those that have gone astray. So which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Jude 1.11, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. In Revelation 2.14, Jesus says, this is one of the churches that he's speaking to in the seven letters to the churches, to the seven churches. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. So now I'm going to give you the story. So Balak was a king of Moab, Moab, King Balak. He summoned Balaam, who was a prophet, to curse Israel. Now, Prophets back then asked for what was called a diviner's fee. Divining is prophesying in so many words. So they were actually got a fee for giving somebody a prophetic word. They charged for it. It was a um, recognized common thing back then. So they called. he called Balaam and he asked him to curse Israel. He wanted him to speak prophetically and curse Israel. Balaam was told immediately by God that he was not to curse Israel for their blessed, but he didn't tell King Balak that. All he told him was God wouldn't let him go with him. And that should have been the end of the story, but it wasn't. He was swayed by the prospect of reward, asking God over and over again if he could go. And each time he attempted to get God to say more on the matter. The second time, God told him, if the men 
come to call you, rise and go with them. But yet the word that I shall say unto thee, that shall thou do. Numbers 22 and 20. Now the next scripture tells us that he went with them. He rose and went with them, but they didn't call him. So God said, if they call you, you go with them. They didn't call him. He just went up on his own volition. I also want to back up because I just remembered something from the account that is also very important. The first time that um, Balaam had told Balak he couldn't go, he came back, he sent more people, more men and said, well, I'm not just going to give you a reward. I'm also going to give you a name. I'm going to give you fame. So he was being tempted by two things, the, the reward of money and the reward of position honor and fame so i just wanted to make make that known as well so these are two pitfalls again warning in second peter 2 15 Korah, excuse me jude 1 11 and revelation 2 14 so he was swayed by the prospect of reward and each time god said so this so now god said if they call you rise and go and say what i say but the men didn't call him and he and god didn't speak so on the way, he was stopped. His donkey stopped. I think you all know the story. That his donkey, this was the account where the donkey spoke. And here's what happened, okay? Um, the donkey refused to move because he saw an angel of the Lord standing in the way with a drawn sword. The donkey saw it, but Balaam didn't see it. And that's a a scary thought it, given that he's a prophet he could hear god but he couldn't see spiritually and when your heart isn't right that's what's going to happen so balaam didn't see the angel and he struck the donkey three times the angel of the lord said to him why have you struck your donkey these three times behold i have come out as an adversary because your way was contrary to me numbers 22 32 i just want to emphasize here because i know a lot of people think that um, what was in the Old Testament doesn't even matter anymore. It doesn't count. We don't need to pay attention to it. A lot of people do. It's shocking to me. Um, but this is, again, this is clearly warning to us three times in the New Testament. And also Paul tells us that these things that were written before were written for our examples so we don't fall in the same way that they did. So, I just want to make sure we, we know that. Plus, all of the scriptures, the Old Testament, they all prophesy of Christ. They're all, he came to fulfill the law, but, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't still apply. There's a lot of examples in scripture, there's an Old Testament that we need to take to heart. You know, I'm, I'm not going to keep going there. All right. So, when we're contrary to God and his purpose, it will seem at times that we have an adversary. We think it's the enemy blocking us from going forward, but it's actually God sending an adversary because our ways are contrary to his. Sometimes he'll do it as protection because we're going in the wrong direction. We think it's right, but it's not. And he sees the end from the beginning. He knows where we should go and which way, and he will block us. And it may seem like an adversary. He's trying to get us back on track. If the donkey hadn't turned, the angel said, if the donkey hadn't turned, he would have slain Balaam. Now, that's that's a little bit of a scary thought, too, that God may allow some to die so they don't continue on a path that will destroy others or avert God's plan. It's really important 
that we uh, ask God and be directed by the Holy Spirit. Again, this is this is still part of being separated, separating of the soul and the spirit, so that we can walk in the spirit, be obedient. As I said in the last one, I emphasized the last um, podcast how continued obedience is what brings about Christ being formed in us. So anyway, Balaam recognized God's omnipotence and his own responsibility to say only what God tells him, but he uses them as a situation to get what he can out of it. He knew from the beginning what God said. God said, you cannot curse Israel. But he was trying to still find a way. And I encourage you to read the full account. It's it's really, really, um, it goes step by step, all the different ways in which he tried to manipulate the situation. Well, he didn't try to manipulate God. He tried all kinds of ways. So uh, all because he was operating in that soulish realm of flesh and his own desires for money and for fame. So as a prophet, Balaam heard from God on a regular basis. But because his desire for reward and be honored by man, his eyes were shut from seeing spiritually. His heart wasn't right. Only the pure in heart will see God, we're told in Matthew 5.8. So it's interesting that you can hear from God and even be used by God, but you may not be able to see spiritually. And if you can't see spiritually, what you hear is going to be warped. It's going to be perceived and seen through marred lenses distorted by the mind of the flesh. I'm sure that if you have any time with the Lord at all, you can see, you can look back over your life and you can see how when you weren't right that you saw through filters. We talked about, I've talked about that in previous weeks. So go back and listen to those if you haven't listened to those yet. So Balaam was ruled by fleshly and soulish desires. He would seek the Lord to hear from him for others, but it was for the diviner's fee. He wanted that money. He was a prophet for hire. You know, the Bible talks a lot about shepherds that are that have the wrong heart, that they're for hire. Um, and Jesus warns against it. So God continued to work with Balaam, with the donkey, with the donkey stopping him in his tracks because God wanted to redirect him. And God will always work with us to show us where we are, to get us in line with his purposes, even using adversarial means to correct us. And I'll give you another example. In 1 Kings 12, 24, the Israelites thought that what was happening was an evil against them, and they were get ready to go to war. But what was happening was actually the hand of the Lord. And it says, Thus saith the Lord, You shall not go up nor fight against your brethren, the children of Israel. Excuse me, this was um, Judah. You shall not go up and fight against your brethren, the children of Israel. Return every man to his house, for this thing is from me. It is so important that when we're in a, when we're in a situation that seems like adversity, it's a trial, we need to ask God. Ask him the purpose of it, if there's something we need to learn from it, what his direction is. It's critical. So again, we're warned, we're warned of three things with Balaam. Okay, in scripture, my, um, you know, if you look at the, well, my Bible, I have a number of different Bibles I use, and one of them has um, notes. And actually, a couple of the Bibles I use have notes. And then you can also read different commentaries, and you can go, you know, go into the concordance and read the original language. And there's a lot of things in there, like from from the vines, um, from the um, 
the Hebrew Greek lexicon that go into great detail about what these things actually mean in in um, the through the three accounts where we're warned in Jude and Second Peter and in Revelation. So the three things are the ways of Balaam, the error of Balaam, and the doctrine of Balaam. So let me explain a little bit from what I learned with this is the ways of Balaam is when we're motivated to do things and receive wages of unrighteousness. If we're motivated, that's our motivation, the ways. It's our it's our ways of doing things, it's our motivations. The error is using our prophetic gift or any gift, I'll say. I'll, I'll dare to say that. Any gift that we have that God has given us and we're using it for personal gain is error. And then the doctrine of Balaam is the false doctrine that will cause others to stumble into sin. That Baal never repented, even after the angel told him they would have killed him. He still wanted the reward. So what did he do? He told Balak, King Balak, even though he couldn't curse Israel, he told them how to get them cursed. To operate under a curse. To put a stumbling block before them. To eat things, sacrifice to idols, and commit sexual morality. That that would bring the curse upon them. That's the doctrine of Balaam that we're warned about in Revelation 2.14. So another example I want to give in this in this episode is a little different. This is about specifically about pride and presumption. And if this is from the rebellion of Korah in number 16. So the, the word, the name, excuse me, Korah actually means bald, no covering, and rebellion against authority. That's very significant. And it's a warning. His story is a warning to us about when we want to walk in our own understanding. We're rebelling against authority. We will always be subject to authority. God's kingdom is not a democracy. We don't get to vote. He's king. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His structure for ruling will not make sense, or certainly it may make sense. We may not may understand it, but we won't like it. Um, and I'll give you some examples here with Korah. Um, so it doesn't make sense to the natural mind, or we don't like it even if it makes sense, and our cultural conditioning, certainly not according to our cultural conditioning, democracy, so we get to vote. It's all about me, myself, and I. It's about what I want. It's about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. God's more concerned about holiness than happiness. So what happened with Korah? God had assigned Aaron and his sons and his lineage to priestly duties. We're talking about the duties in the tabernacle. And he warned others who came near that they would die. It says in Numbers 3 and 10. This was So I'm going to be reading from Numbers 16 or sharing sharing the account in 16. So back in Numbers 3.10, which was you know previous, here's what it said. Thou shalt appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall wait on their priest's office, and the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. And he gave the sons of Kohath, which is Korah is in that lineage, other tabernacle duties. But Korah and his company were questioning the authority of Moses. They were saying it was Moses, 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 Moses made it up. And they were, their stance on it was the entire congregation was holy. Now, have we ever said or thought, perhaps you, you haven't, but you've heard others say it. Well, who are they to say? We're all kings and priests. Yes, but God places all of us under authority and he always sets up leaders. The fivefold ministry gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher for the equipping of the church. Sometimes we want to blame those in authority rather than taking responsibility for where we are. We presume more than we've been given. In this case, Korah presumed 
he was in the same standing as the priests. And he and his company wanted to do that. And it was it ended up being deadly for them. You know, God has his reasons for ordaining and appointing. Whatever he has called you to do and whatever he's called others to do, he has his reasons. And Korah didn't recognize God's purpose. And here's what it says. Moses said to Korah, Here I pray you, you sons of Levi, seemeth it but a small thing to you, that the God of Israel hath separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister to them. And he hath brought thee near to him and all thy brethren with thee and seek ye the priesthood also. Do you hear this? Did you catch that? When I read this, it was such a powerful moment because it, it brought a shift to how I view myself, others, and God's appointments. I'm going to read it again. Seemeth it but a small thing to you that the God of Israel hath separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the service. Whatever he's called you to do, he's in it with you. He's bringing you near to himself to do. If you try to do something else, he's not in it. He calls you and appoints you for specific duties, specific appointments to bring you near to himself to do it. That's just profound to me. So then that that wasn't enough though. They didn't they didn't take the correction, Korah and his company. And so Moses went before God and God gave him, told him what was going to happen. And he was like, you know what, everybody that that is part of agrees with Korah. Go ahead, but here's what's going you need to get it out of the way. You need to get away from him because they're going to be destroyed. And that exactly, here's what happened. Number 16, 20 to 33. Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord hath sent me to do all these works. Because they were questioning Moses' authority. So he said, For I have not done them of my own mind. If these men shall die the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord hath not sent me. But if the Lord shall make a new thing, and the earth shall open her mouth and swallow them up with all that appertain to them, and they go down quick into the pit, then you shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. And it came to pass, as soon as he made an end of speaking these words, the ground opened up and swallowed them up, the people, their houses, all of them that were with them and all their goods, and then closed upon them and they were perished. Notice that Moses said, I have not done them of my own mind, my own desires, my own thoughts, my own reasonings. God told me to do it. I'm obeying him. I'm following his leading. Presumption is pride. Thinking we're right, wanting to be our own God. This is how Satan fell from heaven. He was prideful of his beauty and gifts. You can read about it in Ezekiel. He presumed he wanted the glory that was due God because of his gifts. How did he tempt Eve? Saying she could be like God, knowing good and evil. 
This temptation will con is the it's the same all the time. It'll continue to tempt us. Did God say? We may think, I know best, or there's nothing wrong with doing this. We'll have that quick thought. That's the same thing as saying God's a liar. That we're doubting his word, his authority over us. We're wanting to be our own God. Pride is the basis for many sins. Satan is continually and very cunningly always trying to get us to operate in pride. Through our carnal nature and our soulish mind and pride will cause us to presume. Psalm 19, 12 to 13. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. God had warned the Israelites about presumption in Numbers 15, 30 to 31. But the soul that doeth aught or anything presumptuously, whether he be born in the land or a stranger, the same reproacheth the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Korah and his company took incense to, to take into the priest's office. They were desiring the priesthood presumptuously. When Moses counseled them, they mocked him. And what was the result? Moses prophesied they would die by the earth, opening a swallow them to show that God had sent him, and it immediately happened. Now, here's the warning in Jude 1.11. They perished in the gainsaying of Korah. That's the warning. Again, this is a New Testament warning telling us about this. This is a, this is a place that God doesn't want us to go. This is, this is a, a warning to keep us safe. Gainsaying is contradiction or rebellion. It is as the rebellion as is the sin of witchcraft, we're told in 1 Samuel 15, 23. So God, that's how God views rebellion as witchcraft. The enemy will tempt us to live for selfish pride and ambition, to do things in our own understanding, in essence, to be our own God and control our own destiny. Operating in pride and presumption, which is rebellion. God will not be mocked. He will not tolerate rebellion. There are so many accounts of God's dealing with rebellion in Scripture and not just the Old Testament. Um, if you want more, you know, about this subject, I have the, my first book, Moses Shocked in the Desert, Learning God's Ways so We Can Enter the Promised Land. There's a lot in there about this subject and many others so that we can enter the promised land and Old and New Testament examples. And one of them is in Acts 12, 21 to 23, the book of Acts. Here's another example. On a set day, Herod, King Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to the people. And they shouted, the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. King Herod was the one that had John the Baptist killed. And he was not struck dead for that. He was struck dead because he didn't give God the glory. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit to guide us, that he continues to work with us. And he will convict us when we're in error. How we need to let the word of God transform us as we renew our minds and submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit, even when we don't understand. That's when it's the most imperative, honestly, when we don't understand, because that's true faith. All of creation is groaning, waiting for the day 
when the sons of God are manifest, when we're living by the Spirit and we're allowing Jesus to be seen as King of kings and Lord of lords through us, giving all praise and glory to God, how imperative it is that we be a pure vessel filled with His Spirit, no mixture of the flesh, soul, or worldly ways. Why? So Jesus can be seen and not us. Every struggle and trial that we endure cannot compare to the glory that we shall experience. In Romans 8, 16 to 23, I'm going to end with this. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him. If, there's a condition, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even as we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord God, that we have a great and glorious hope that you've given us this promise, Lord God, to be joint heirs with Christ, to be heirs of you, Lord God. Lord, help us. Help us, Holy Spirit, to keep our eyes on the prize, to keep our eyes on the kingdom, to keep our eyes on Jesus, to keep our eyes on you, Lord God, to see you glorified in the earth. Lord, help us. Help us, Holy Spirit. Reveal to us those things that are not pleasing and that are hindering the kingdom of God coming forth through us, that, that, that Jesus will be seen, that he will be made known, that all of those that are, their, their spirit, their, they're crying out, Lord God, to become, even though they don't know, those that you've called, Lord God, that you're bringing us to, for Jesus to be seen, Lord God, draw them to Jesus, Lord God, that they will have that hunger, Lord God, that their eyes would be desiring to see, that their heart would be desiring to know, Lord God, that you would put that hunger in them, Lord God, and that you would help us to be those pure vessels, only living for the praise of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Stirring of the Waters podcast. If you like what you heard today, visit ElaineHaines.com, that's A-L-A-N-E-H-A-Y-N-E-S.com, for books, blogs, and spiritual growth. You can follow me on Facebook and subscribe at cpnshows.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. See you next week for the next episode.